Let me make sure I still have red dragon notes. I should. Oh, I have tons of red dragon notes. <laughs> I, I pull it up. The naked turn back gaze that Ray Fiennes gives him. A touch on the sexy side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I had a good time with that movie, man. What a nightmare. There's going to be lots of tiger dicks here, Michael. Just so you know. Are you recording now? Oh, I've been recording. Okay, good. You are listening to Original Remake. This is a podcast where we discuss and compare original film and its remake. Or sometimes films with similar concepts, because just like Hollywood, we are that unoriginal. So this being a movie podcast, um, yeah, let's get to it. Glad we have that for uh, Original Remake. That is the podcast you have clicked on. (laughs) And my guest (laughs) is Hyro from the True Bromance Film Podcast. I'm from Marcus Played. Oh, okay. I didn't realize Marcus played had uh, had taken over in the, uh, the the pole position there for your your podcasting empire. Well, when I'm getting help on the editing side of the house, uh, you know, it, it it moves the love needle a little bit, you know. And you know, consistent. This is the first time Marcus played say consistent uh, Thursday releases, Thursday morning. True bromance. There's a, there's a little bit of a drift on those. Well. Yeah, uh, again, because I am a one man show there, you know, <laughs> literally a one man show. So it's a little harder to uh, to keep it up and you know keep it going steady like that when you are uh, carrying another human being on your back. This is a a great promotional tour <laughs> for True Brilliance. <laughs> yeah, I know you just <laughs> opened up and I just went, went swinging on the poor guy. I forgot which podcast. Yeah. I'm on. my goodness. Um, all right, so I brought you on because recently on. Uh, Marcus played. We or no, no, no. Now I'm confusing my own empire. It was the grand gesture. We talked about uh, Julie and What's Julia, uh, wow. and uh, that was a foodie episode. So to stretch that out as far as I can, uh, Hannibal Lecter. He he likes food. He likes to eat people. Uh, and this is the only, uh, I guess, feature uh, length uh, remake of that property. Uh, I can't say that I've ever seen the uh, Hannibal series, which was. Uh, was popular online, was much beloved. Uh, I think it was on NBC and was canceled after a few seasons. Have you seen any of it? It was so beloved that the ratings weren't good enough to keep it running. So beloved. <laughs> I love how that works, right? I there mean, is that strange mix where, uh, yeah, based on uh, if you were online when Hannibal was airing, uh, you would have thought that it was MASH or Seinfeld <laughs> as far as the numbers that it was pulling down. Uh, yeah, not the case. But uh, anyway, I never caught up nope. with it. But uh, I have heard that I think they went through uh, maybe even this stuff. Like I, I felt like each season kind of went through uh, the events of uh, the books. Uh, certainly in that film, Hannibal is wandering around, which is, uh, I don't know, should we just jump into our sort of first key difference here? When you have okay. Anthony Hopkins, you're going to get a lot more Hannibal than when you have Brian Cox. I don't th- – so – I don't think that uh, Red Dragon is improved because of uh, um, Anthony Hopkins, right? I don't think he's the big improvement here. I think the big improvement is is in the William Peterson character. The uh, I'm sorry, I already forgot his name. Um, the Manhunter himself. Will, yeah. Will Will Graham. Yes, I think that the improvement is there. There's definitely a difference there. Like on the, so I, I'll just say I, I watch these purposely out of order. Because I I had seen both of these before. I'd seen Manhunter a few times. I did the same. And I remember when Red Dragon came out theatrically. I think I even 
uh, kind of mildly not spoiled it because I knew the events of the film, but I watched Manhunter, I think got like a DVD re-release around that time. And so I, I, I was basically doing this. I was watching the same story from different filmmakers like the week of, which is a little unfair to Red Dragon. So this time around, I switched it. It, it had been years, so I'm going to give Ed Norton his version of Will Graham, uh, definitely more Hannibal Lecter. But even without having Manhunter in my uh, conscious as far as like close memories, the Hannibal Lecter stuff here with Hopkins really sticks out. as When, when you just step back from it as not totally unnecessary, but mostly unnecessary as far as the uh you know the case at hand uh you can definitely see when you have him in the cell it fits because if you're trying to profile this other killer maybe you go to the best the most intelligent most creative of all time but the fact that we open with Hannibal Lecter like taking in his classic music hosting a dinner party I don't know. I like I, even without uh, Manhunter in mind, I'm I was thinking like, well, okay, so we're really we're really trying to get as much of Anthony Hopkins' version as possible to put in the trailer. Mm. You're right. I think that's obviously the intent. Two families killed a month apart in their homes. These attacks were highly organized. The victims carefully chosen. This one is going to go on and on. That's the same atrocious aftershave you wore in court. I need your advice, Dr. Lecter. If you recall well, our last collaboration ended rather messily. How is young Josh and the lovely Molly? They're always in my thoughts, you know. So it's true that Lecter's actually helping with your investigation. We may have a little over three weeks before this freak does it again. I might not have time. I do. I have oodles. You want to know how he's choosing them, don't you? This is a very shy boy, Will. I know what it's like to have people always thinking that you're different. He is refining his methods. He is evolving. What am I doing here? But I think that that you we could see that as the intent with our history because of Silence of the Lambs and how big that character had become at, at this point. But I think that if Red Dragon comes out and is the first iteration of this relationship with Hannibal Lecter, I think that we would see that differently, right? You would see his his uh, um, classically trained nature, you know, right, and his uh, devotion to perfection, right, and and the lengths that he's going to go to. But then there's also just how crazy this cat is, right? Because he's obviously feeding the bits and pieces to his dinner guests, right? So I think that this would have worked better that that infusion of Hannibal Lecter if you didn't have already a history and already know that stuff like you don't it's already, I guess it's already brought to the table but I guess if you played this movie sequentially in the franchise right the Anthony Hopkins verse you know it's kind of like uh, Zack Snyder's cut right it's the the Hopkins cut so are you sort of positing like there the some people that do uh, like the Star Wars prequels before yeah. the classic trilogy do you think there's a generation uh, if they still care about movies, if they treat this as a TV series that <laughs> that ends with the, uh, I guess, the reviled final season of of Hannibal the film, uh, that they would enjoy that experience more having that that backstory. Well, yes, and I, I and obviously I'm retconning here for my own sake, right? I'm not I'm not saying that this was the intent of the filmmaker because 
I don't think Brett Ratner is that skillful, right? He's he's really a very populist director. I will say, I think he did an excellent job in this movie. He, you know, he's canceled. Obviously, I got it. You know what I mean? But I don't think that that detracts from the fact that he does a really coherent job of putting this movie together. I, I you know, you got to call a spade a spade. I actually uh, liked this movie. Uh, and I liked it more than I remembered. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a murderous row of uh, of actors too. Like, I mean, we've, oh yeah, we talked about on Mark has played um, uh, an episode on when a man loves a woman, which has Philip Seymour Hoffman in a, a small part. Uh, how um, like the movie stars that weren't uh, on that that episode, how these bit players can elevate the material. And man, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman as this sleazy tabloid guy so much better than that. Now the eighties version has a look of sleazy guy, but the, the presentation, the way they decide to sort of attack their characters, totally different here. Totally like oh, Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman's, <laughs> he has a scene where he knows he's being used by our, uh, uh, our, our FBI cronies and I guess our, uh, our outsourced FBI man that's been brought back in from retirement, uh, here played by Edward Norton and the way he insults them sort of like muttering and under his breath and like, he doesn't even make eye contact. It's like, he can't even be bothered to like push oh, back. I loved it. I loved uh, I went back and time he I, was there. Yeah. I, I did the, uh, the tablet thing where I'm, I'm doing that like 15 seconds back just cause I was like, what that's, I'm sure that's not how that was written at all. And then if you watch Manhunter, where the guy's just a cartoon character, uh, yeah. it, it's just phenomenal stuff. So th- th- that that actual sequence is one of the reasons I kind of like doing this podcast because, you know, otherwise it could get like – it could become a slog if you're seeing stuff and it's like, well, it's just the same thing. It's just updated. When you see those like little nuances, those little differences uh, – very, very, very good here. And it changes it drastically. It changes that character. You never care about Freddie Lowndes, right? You never really give a shit about him, no matter how he's portrayed, right? And, and the, the Stephen Lang version, which uh, amazing Stephen Lang to see him <laughs> look like you know, that. In, yeah, in Avatar or in Tombstone, now to look like that and, and behave in that manner. Ooh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but even with Philip Seymour Hoffman, you, you, which one do you despise more? I think I did. Like, I really have a. I appreciate Philip Seymour Hoppin's version more because I'm a cynical cat and I think it's funny the way he's he's treating these cats. But I also have a disdain for him because the guy just is constantly doing bonkers things to to get the scoop. He's just an ugly, ugly creature. It's uh, certainly the Michael Mann version. Manhunter is uh, amped up and as a product of its time for sure. That that mid eighties, the the music. Um, to to answer your question, I think. I despise the Philip Seymour Hoffman version more because he's less of a cartoon character. And also Edward Norton, <laughs> he doesn't seem like the, uh, the star high school quarterback, like William Peterson does like the, like <laughs> William Peterson. I'm, I'm sure this is man's direction. And it's the tone of that movie. Uh, like red dragon is beholden to silence of the lambs, which was, you know, best picture winner from Jonathan Demme and, and played right. it straight and serious. Manhunter, I don't think there was ever any intent that's like, yeah, this is this is Oscar winning material. And so William Peterson, you know, in that sequence, Edward Norton what shoves him when this tabloid guy is like, you know, stepping over the line and yes. in Manhunter he's thrown through a car windshield. Yeah. Flipped he over. Does like a full <laughs> suplex action thing. Like he's he's auditioning for a world wrestling federation or something like that. Yeah, he's he's a little excessive. And but how dare you blame Michael Mann's direction? You have no evidence there that this was this could have been uh 
William Peterson just being not a great actor because I mean, I mean, he wasn't he didn't exactly live up to it. His years on CSI aren't exactly the highest caliber of of thespianism. I, the funny thing about William Peterson is when you juxtapose the two two portrayals, right? When you talk about the subtlety and the and the rewinding 15, 15 seconds thing, watch how uh, Edward Norton talks to himself as he's trying to figure it out. He's more of a detective. He's like, I believe him. He's internalizing some of this material and he's really trying to get to the bottom of the case. William Peterson is like yelling at the tooth fairy, screaming. I have like to admit, ed- I liked it ed- more. Is- I like the Peterson stuff more. Of course you did. Because <laughs> it's like, if you're going to be a hunter of men here, if you're going to be this, this super profiler, I like the character being bombastic. And I like him. Like, th- this is but not- who is he being bombastic for? He's yelling at himself. <laughs> like, who are you talking to, man? This is the highest compliment I can give this type of performance. If Tom Cruise was going to play this role, he would have played it like William Peterson. You used a cutting tool on the branch so that you could see. Then you passed the time whittling and dreaming. When night came, you saw them pass by their bright windows. And you watched the shades go down. And you saw the lights go out one by one. And after a while, you climbed down and you went into them, didn't you? Didn't you, you son of a bitch? You watched them all goddamn day long. That's why houses with big yards. He would have played. Oh, it. no. Yes. You disrespect nope. he, the he, great Tom Cruise. He, I, I'm telling you, like, we just released an episode on Mission Impossible 2 for this podcast. <laughs> Him, like, shouting in Tandy Newton's face that he will find her and will save her. At her face. At her. He's yelling at a human being. Here, he's talking to the air. Who are you talking <laughs> she to, man? Is, she is in that sequence. And this is also Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> she is. <laughs> So downplaying the moment that he might as well just be shadow boxing with himself. <laughs> like <laughs> they're in two totally different scenes. I look uh, the William P- William Peterson Michael Mann version of the character. Who whoever I don't know who's at fault here. You're saying although I think it's weird you're you're alleviating Michael Mann of this because he likes big macho guys. Like he likes that sort of adrenaline rush. He, you know he's this is a guy that that's fair. But I mean, like you see his, you see what he's brought to the table over the the breadth of his career. You know, you if, if Daniel Day Lewis is doing the big macho shouting, you're getting the good stuff. William Peterson, you're getting, <laughs> I don't know, you're getting like like my four year old being petulant because I took away the Xbox for the man. Night, I, you know? I I hope you should be you should be a proud father if your four year old is giving you Manhunter like rage if he's giving you speeches for not having his xbox controller i was impressed with this i i think it fits the movie i don't think that i don't think edward norton could give that performance in red dragon if all the other pieces remain so i i, I think that all of the characters well actually okay let's let's get to one thing that maybe you could switch uh rafe or ralph as you like to call him uh fine ralph. yeah ralph um i think maybe he could fit and Manhunter, because he's the one that not only with Hannibal Lecter, but they, I, I'd forgotten this, because uh, I, I get to Manhunter as the second part of my double feature, and I'm like, whoa, where's the killer? Because we, we follow the killer, or at least right. his sort of day-to-day yeah. activities 
pretty much the whole time that they're they're looking well, it's for. Probably him. because the killer is pretty bad of an actor, Tom Noonan. He's he not great here. He is good because he looks more like a guy who would actually do these things <laughs> than, <laughs> yeah, than Ralph. He does. <laughs> You're calling him a no go. I got it. Okay. He, he has that mask on. Oh my god, like terrifying. You don't even need the. The theatrics he doesn't, of the, the he doesn't need to be fully nude. He doesn't need the tattoo on his back. You just put a raising Arizona pantyhose on his head, and it looks like the devil incarnate, like that. Yeah, and he's got the weird, uh, like the he's like obsessed with space, like his. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know what that is, um, but yeah, I, I think he carries that on in heat when he's the when he's in heat talking about that stuff, right? Doesn't he? He's the guy in the wheelchair that that is trying to explain how the internet works. Yeah. He's just out there in space. Yeah, just he's, a, he's a guy who can get you things and and heat. Yeah, for sure. I will say though, uh, Ralph Fiennes' version is far more arresting than this guy. He's almost comical in his delivery of his words. He's not trying to be a creeper like Ralph Fiennes is. Open your eyes and look at me. No. If you won't open them yourself, I'll staple your eyelids to your forehead. Open your eyes. If you don't open your eyes, I'll staple your eyelids to your forehead. Is your nature to do one thing correctly? Tremble. But fear is not what you owe me. You owe me all. No, else. You and the others. You owe me all. You owe me all. And... I think that Brett Ratner really takes it to another level when you see sort of that uh, sexual perversion on him. I don't like the he- psycho stuff. I, I don't like – and I'm talking about Hitchcock psycho. I don't like him having conversations or hearing like his, his mother, mother or whatever it is. I, yeah, I felt like that stuff. Uh, yeah, that, that I could have done without that. That's probably a, a poor choice. But, I mean, watching his reaction to the uh, fondling of the tiger – now that was creepy. Okay, so this is pretty much all week long what you've texted me about, um, and I think this is your, uh, you know, fifteen second back <laughs> to, to make sure. Uh, I, this is not in Manhunter. So this like sort of not. creepy date that the killer goes on with this uh, blind woman that he meets in uh, both versions, and uh, it's Joan Allen in the original. And what is the actor's name? Uh, I recognize her face. Emily Watson. Emily Watson. Uh, in Red Dragon, and uh, I'm going to call that a draw on them. I don't think I have a preference either way. I think it, Emily Emily Watson runs circles around her. I think uh, as much as I like Joan Allen, I think that – and maybe it's part a chemistry thing with Tom Noonan, the ago, that it, 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 none of it is believable. You almost – she is far more warm and inviting than Joan Allen, which uh, – I found Joan Allen dollar, more aggressive, and I liked it. Really? Yeah. Aggressive. Did you miss the sequence where she, you know, grabbed the rod? That that was Did the tiger. That? That's 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 no. A- she goes after Dalahad and she exclaims, "Oh my!" You know, there's a whole. Go ahead and fit that in as a clip. <laughs> Look, man, you, I don't know how much damage you can do to my Google search history, but <laughs> I feel like when you do these podcasts, uh, when you go on a rant about who. Who is the ultimate Hollywood cuckold? And I'm like, do I dare look this stuff up, or <laughs> do I just let it go? Do I just give him this point? No, no I felt like Joan Allen clearly more aggressive when, and particularly when we get to the house when they, she comes over to his place, which is this weird uh, sort of setback 
um, maybe insane asylum looking joint. It's like the he's at the Overlook Hotel. It's got but a bunch of wheelchairs laying around. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she grabs that Joker and and is uh, is clearly thrown aback by his uh, I don't know if his girth or strength or fortitude or what the hell's fortitude going on. is definitely the the word of the night. <laughs> I, just want, <laughs> I just wanted to bring it back. Yeah, I mean the um, Iron Giant down there. I uh no I well y- you went there I know where uh, obviously you were gonna go uh I, I'm t- like the the first meeting between the two of them I feel like Joan Allen comes across as more uh adult woman and Emily Watson's version is kind of like nice nervous girl like it, it, I'm talking about the way they they flirt because Joan Allen is seems way more straightforward as far as like the, the sequence oh, where she says no. can I touch your face that sort of thing I don't know I I I, I Again, I, there's not much of a difference between the two of them in that sequence, right? I mean, I look, think we know the tiebreaker for you is just grabbing a tiger stick. That's <laughs> I don't, wouldn't that be the tiebreaker for anybody though? Like, just you know? it would be a talking point for sure. It would be something that if I came, if I'm a weird serial killer and I'm coming home to talk to my dead mother or to talk to the red dragon himself, it's probably something I mentioned. You know, it's, I, I don't think I, I keep that one to myself. I, I, <laughs> I throw it around with Red Dragon and see what he says. If this is isn't a woman. that like a uh, like an aphrodisiac or something or a strengthener in some cultures? I've already told I you I'm not googling any of this. Uh, no, this is not going my in my account. Um, so you you prefer like it doesn't sound like there's anything you actually so far prefer about. Manhunter, and I'm certain if we get to Brian Cox, I, I doubt that's going to be the Hail Mary where he outperforms uh, Anthony Hopkins in his probably most iconic role. I'm glad you came. My callers are mostly clinical psychologists from Cornfield University somewhere. Second raters, the lot. Dr. Bloom showed me your article on surgical addiction in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. And? Very interesting. Even to a layman. I want you to help me, Dr. Lecter. Yes. I thought so. It's about Atlanta and Birmingham. Yes? You read about it? In the papers. I don't tear out the articles. I wouldn't want them to think I was dwelling on anything morbid. You want to know how he's choosing them, don't you? I thought you might have some ideas. Why should I tell you? You get to see the file in this case. And there's another reason. Pray tell. But you might be curious to see if you're smarter than the person I'm looking for. Then by implication, you think you're smarter than me since you caught me. No. I know that I'm not smarter than you. Then how did you catch me? You had disadvantages. What disadvantages? You're insane. Well, I think Brian Cox is playing it kind of straight. There's He's, he's a very – his dialogue isn't as stiff, which is I think what – really made Hannibal Lecter so famous in in um, Silence of the Lambs. There's that famous sequence when uh, Clarice first comes down the hall and we are introduced He's to Hannibal Lecter. Already. Standing very yeah. firm. His movements are very rigid. His his way of speaking is very um, sort of monotone, I guess. Very, very uh, contained and paced. Whereas Brian Cox is just like I, like he just drank a pint of Guinness and he's just having a good old talk. He seems like the smartest guy in the room uh, that is in a perpetual state of annoyance that he has to deal with so many stupid people. Like the the fact that these idiots are the ones that have got him locked into a box. He just seems more put out 
by his situation. Brian Cox, you mean? Yeah, Brian Cox. Okay. Uh, Hopkins. I mean, they, they have s- some of the dialogue is exactly the same as far as uh, if you're going to try to charm me saying, like, you can prove that uh, you're smarter than this killer by helping me catch him. Then he's immediately on top of both versions of Will Graham saying, like, well, then that means you think that you're smarter than me because you, you're the one that put me in this box. Uh, I think Brian Cox, it feels more natural. And with Anthony Hopkins, it it is like the iconic nature of the character where it's like right. you can't really yeah. remove that. Uh, and the fact that, yes, this is a you know prequel for, I guess, the, the Hopkins series. Uh, but like there's one scene I really dislike where they – I guess they try to – it's almost like they're uh, doing a stage version. And they're like, we got to open it up. And they have Hopkins – meet uh, Ed Norton's version of Will Graham while he's exercising just so you can have that one like jump scare where he like lunges oh, at him. Yeah. That was a little lame. I think, it's strange. I actually do. Since it's not a Hannibal Lecter story, I also prefer Brian Cox here just because I, I like him just being in the box and maybe for people coming off Silence of the Lambs, it would have felt too much like that film to just have Anthony right. Hopkins just coming in there for, you know, sessions again. Well, I will defend Brett Ratner again. <laughs> Keep doing it, Tiger Cock. Keep doing it. <laughs> you know, that's. I think that the 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 Hannibal Lecter that uh, Anthony Hopkins gives us, I think what he's doing is he refuses to show weakness. Like you're not getting the better of me. Like you say that Brian Cox seems like more of the frustrated guy. Like he's tired of dealing with these people. He's tired of being in his cage, and he really exudes that that, that sentiment. I think that uh, Anthony Hopkins, what he's doing is. He's he is uh, sort of like what he did in Mask of Zorro. Like you refuse, he's so high above everybody, the peasants. He, I won't even look in his face, right? He's so high above in stature, in intellect, in society, in his arts and his culture that he refuses to be beat down. Like he doesn't want to show any sign of weakness, and I like that. I like him looking down on these people, right? He's there's a there's a duality there, like a. Um, a, a a yin and yang where yes he is a prisoner he has been caught but he is still vastly superior to anybody who comes in contact with him as far as intellect and all that stuff he just you know he got a little little crazy with the uh, the arrows and the feeding of the brains and that sort of thing I, think, I like that I think we were in the eighth inning and so far Brett Ratner's pitching <laughs> a perfect game for you. You know, like in Little League, we had the 10-run rule. You know, you got to the fifth inning, and he was so far ahead that we just called the fight. Brett Ratner's getting close. Versus Michael Mann, Brett Ratner. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's, it's an unfortunate situation that you put me in here. But, you know, me being a uh, a respected critic, I got to <laughs> stick to my laurels here and, and, and be honest. Even though Michael Mann is on my Mount Rushmore. Let's go with the uh, – before we get to – the ending is also – like I mentioned in the beginning, you're getting far more Hannibal. The, the ending uh, doesn't have anything to do with Lecter, but you're getting one – it's like that one last thing, uh, the, you know, the, the one fake out, one last action sequence, which is uh, not in Manhunter. But before we, we get to that, uh, the, I guess the homestead because that's what – at least with the Red Dragon, they put under siege with their, their altered ending. Uh, so you're you have Mary Louise Parker playing uh, the wife who, you know, tropey. Um, I, probably even when Manhunter came out, the sort of like one last job type thing that a cop has to do. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, and I, I think this is this is one point I will give to Red Dragon. Uh, as far as my distaste of having more Hannibal Lecter is uh, by having seen the actual attack that he suffers at the beginning. 
uh, you know, maybe you have uh, a better, better uh, entry point to the, the, the wife and the, the son's headspace as far as what this, this guy is putting them through by going back out there and dealing with these type of lunatics. I think Mary Louise Parker, she probably gets, she doesn't get a lot to do, but she gets slightly no. more to do, which is only there to set up this final action sequence uh, as far as um, her being trained very briefly in firearms, I guess, and how to defend herself, defend the family. And Manhunter, whenever you cut back to the wife, <laughs> there's these strange shots on a boat where William Peterson looks like he wants to kill himself or her as she, <laughs> his beautiful wife. And it's intercut with... You know the the faces of the deceased, the 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 victims, uh, and he's trying to track down the killer. It's very much a a, a Miami Vice episode. So my uh, Michael Mann was the like the showrunner, the creator of Miami Vice was just such a huge hit in the uh, early to mid eighties. It looks just like this. I don't know if you've ever watched any of the, the old the lights and the you know that, the lights, that, the music that uh, uh, yeah the cool sort of blue aesthetic that you have yeah. Um, I, I dug even it. used it in uh, in Heat, right? When you see Robert De Niro's apartment, it's got that blue lighting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Michael Mann was very big into that. You see it a little bit in Collateral. I mean, he, he the uh, the great black hat that we discussed a time or two. <laughs> I, I still, you know, I have a digital copy of it that I'll eventually so get I. out. Uh, probably for a Marcus played uh, series we do on <laughs> movies that people hate and probably won't download an episode on, but we're going to talk about them. Black Hat would would be in there i think we should make a rule that we shouldn't cross pollinate our podcast like if we've already covered crocodile dundee like i'm true romance i just vetoed that so oh well thank you for putting me through through that and (laughs) barry i mean i'm sure you just sent him the highlights and which is that one he was requesting it he was like dying And you gave it it to me gave it to me and uh yeah wow yeah no i wanted to bring uh bring australia to your world no i i so no, I I know what you're saying as far as the the wife goes, right? And and the homestead. I actually I prefer the look because of I do like that look. It's very nostalgic for me personally, as far as the Miami Vice piece. But you're right, you know that there is a function to the homestead other than I have a family. They might be, you know, they seem to be in more true danger in Red Dragon than they are in Manhunter. Manhunter, you're just in danger of hurting your family by your own death. Whereas in Red or Dragon, your, your own, I guess, grip on uh, your sanity. Uh, I think yep. they lean more into that. I, I never get that from Edward Norton uh, necessarily. Like there was a bad... apparently he's not yelling into the screen enough. <laughs> he absolutely is not. <laughs> uh, yeah, him, him, uh, just sort of low talking in the mirror does not do it for me. Like small pieces of mirror were inserted in the orbital sockets of the victims. This occurred post mortem. Why did you put mirrors in their eyes? Uh, God, Mr. CSI hanging out in the trees, just, <laughs> just screaming just at the moon. <laughs> you, you, you jacked off here, didn't you, you son of a bitch? <laughs> it is calling them names. It's just horrible. Get out uh, of here. Yeah, I mean, room. you could possibly improve the story if, for whatever reason, the Red Dragon decides to come back to his old haunts and sees another crazy person in his, <laughs> his, his tree size, branch. Oh. <laughs> This dude's way too crazy, <laughs> yeah. man. I gotta back away. Um, so that uh, that 
leads us into the 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 final i i guess the the climactic action sequence which is uh you know one other thing i didn't mention was uh, harvey Keitel is now taking over for is it dennis uh farina is that his uh, yeah yes sir and that's uh, a huge improvement again really uh i i think i went manhunter again because uh, there's uh it's a little more combative I mean, it's not much more, but there it seems more combative. As which, how could it not? When the guy you're bringing back out of retirement is yelling at anything within constantly, he's <laughs> yeah. just constantly yelling. Yeah, uh, Harvey Keitel definitely has. Uh, I felt like a more protective, sort of paternal. It seems like relationship with Edward Norton, like a sort of uh, uh, you know, he, he takes some degree of uh, guilt and and what he's asking him to do. It, it seems more believable. Dennis Freena, maybe it's. Um, you know his real life experience as a cop. <laughs> he seems like a guy who's doing a job, and that's it. He just wants to get the yeah. job done. I think that it, it might be that I find Harvey Keitel's Harvey Keitel's representation of Crawford to be a little more aligned with what we got from uh, is it Scott Glenn? Is that his name yes. in mm-hmm. uh, in Silence of the Lambs? Right? They sort of he's he's paternal about it, like you're saying. But at the same time, he's got his ulterior motives, which he keeps close to the vest. They're overt to us, the viewer, but you know, he's he's doing it in a, in a, in a more sly, casual way, which is Dennis Farina, much like our protagonist William Peterson, just going to yell it at you rather than rather I'm, than doing I'm it in a shocked. suave, classy way. Uh, you coming from the uh, you know education system that you want uh, based on the film Whiplash, I'm shocked that you are not a fan of all this, this screaming and uh, this testosterone and Manhunter. I just think that uh, Will Graham is is smart enough and intelligent enough to get the job done. He doesn't need to be beat over the head with a plate like some dumb kid. You got to know know when to yell and when not to yell. You know what I mean? I think there's a there's a there's a fine art to knowing how to move people. You don't need to be yelling at Will Graham. Look, he, the guy he already caught Hannibal Lecter. I don't need to be yelled at for that. Look, this dumb kid needs to learn how to play that dang on drum, man. He needs to be hit. I don't know if I should uh, take that lesson from you when you just admitted that on uh, you're talking about knowing how to move people on your podcast. You have a co-host that was dying to talk Crocodile Dundee, and what do you do? You take it away from him, give it to someone that doesn't want to watch it at all. Well, that's what I do. You know, that's that was my version of throwing the the, the symbol at him, <laughs> you know? withholding. Yeah. Um, all right, so what? What, punishment. what do you make of the the final like sequence here? Because there's, <laughs> I, I'm assuming you're not going to go in Manhunter's direction, where you have William Peterson staying in his version of the character sees the killer in his home. It's not on fire, like it is in Red Dragon. Bonkers. <laughs> sees him holding a, a sharp object of some sort. Over top of a woman from a great distance, uh, does he get into range to fire his weapon at this man? He just runs. <laughs> he just runs through the window and almost immediately is on the defensive because he's <laughs> covered in glass and he's on the floor and he doesn't know where the killer is uh, and he's taken out pretty quickly. That's what happens when you're too aggressive <laughs> at the wrong time. And you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> He thought the whole time I'm yelling at this air thing that this air thing's not going to touch me. No, guess what? You've got a giant Uggo here with a with a pantyhose on his eyes. He's going to jack you up. But it did work out for him for him strangely, just because the killer decides to wait on his uh, headshots with the the one guy that uh, is crazy enough to jump through a window. It makes a little more sense in Red Dragon, even though the like the way it goes about. Um, 
I don't know. It seems like I don't. I don't know if the fake out totally works for me. That uh, Ralph here, as you call him, uh, goes through this whole thing to make his blind girlfriend believe that he shot himself just so he can set fire to the house and get on down to uh, Florida to to attack Will Graham's family. I like when we're actually in the house. The the way the, the sort of turnabout where Will Graham uses right. his. Uh, you know, abusive past as a child uh, against That's a rough him. watch. Uh, that was a kind of a rough watch. I felt bad for that kid for once. once in a, in a, I felt bad for the kid. Oh, if I'm the kid, yeah, man. I'm t- the kid has no idea why he's why that's happening uh, to him. I'll tell you what. If I'm the kid, my dad could call me any name in the book in that sequence because I'm still breathing. Whatever he has to do to give me two more seconds uh, to hopefully get out of this. You think that kid understands why he's being yelled at. I mean, eventually, yes, yeah, the kid gets off, and you know, then after the fact, I'm sure he's going to be thankful that the dad put that uh, show together. But in the moment, it's got to suck. So yeah. This is the the one time uh, I'm getting you to say something negative about Red Dragon. It's w- the only time Ed Norton goes full Bill Peterson here and starts yeah. yelling. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. This is, it's worked for you so far, uh, Edward Norton. Just take it easy. Take a step back. So did the fake out work for you? Did that? I mean, to, to get to that point, or do you think it's just a bit too much? No, I think it was. I thought I liked it. I mean, it's fine. It, it's it's in keeping with sort of the. The relationship with with Lecter and the Tooth Fairy, and and I think the Tooth Fairy in Red Dragon thinks a lot more on his feet. You know, he's he's obviously driven by insanity, and he does some crazy things, but he ebbs and flows and changes quite a bit, and in a believable fashion. Whereas, because we don't follow Tom Noonan's version of the Tooth Fairy, we don't understand what he's capable of, like his mindset, how he's thought this out. We don't really get any of that stuff. He's definitely more of a boob guy though. in manhunter. I'm just going with the, the home videos that he, Oh yeah. 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 He's staring. Not only that, but he's, is, is he comparing as well? Like he's yeah. like looking to the video, look at his lady, look at the <laughs> video. Like, Oh man. Tony, a manhunter is just so much better. So much they better. They get a love collection. Well, I guess, you know, um, <laughs> was that your, you conceding that point? No, I'm just going to head back it away because you know, <laughs> something should just be left for the outtakes. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I just like Manhunters. I mean, jokes aside, I just like it better just because it's, it's tighter and uh, I, I like the time capsule uh, effective. I actually like that it is so far removed that it cannot be. Which I guess, it, I mean, I guess it could be depending on who owns the rights, but uh, you know, thematic wise. It would not be in the uh, Hannibal Lecter box set with Anthony Hopkins. I, I like that it's sort of the, the the odd duck outside of this before he became this sort of like pop culture force. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I'm not saying I don't like Manhunter. I really do. I actually own the disc because I I loved the movie when I saw it. I I, I view it as a like you like you're saying an odd duck in this sort of world that was built. It sort of stands on its own. It, it almost doesn't even fit with the version of the character that we know today, right? That, that we're getting, and it, especially in Hannibal. Hannibal really amps that artistry up and that sort of frustration and sort of um, uppityness that he brings to the table. Um, he, he gets to travel Europe, uh, give lectures, and you know, deal with uh, stupid people that keep harassing him in a strange. Let the man be, man. With uh, pigs, wild hogs. Yeah, 
yeah, kind of weird. But uh, I, I, by the way, the book I, that that one I've actually read the book, and it's a little more risque in the book than it is. Uh, Don't they actually have a relationship like uh, Clarice and Hannibal in the book? Well, spoiler for the book. In the end, that's what happens. She just kind of gives in and goes to you know fly off with him. Yeah, I don't think that works in the movie version. I certainly do not want to see Julianne Moore deciding, sure, why not, with Anthony Hopkins. Is it because of Anthony Hopkins? You're calling him an uggo? Or is it because, <laughs> you know, you don't want her kind of finally breaking down to him? All of it. None of it sounds appealing to me in the slightest. <laughs> uh, I don't remember who, what is it? Is it Mads? What, what is that guy's name? Mickelson. Mickelson. Man, for a podcaster, you don't know any of these names. What's going what, on? <laughs> what would I have seen this guy in uh, other than... Hunt? That's an amazing I've not seen the Hunt. Casino Royale that we just talked about? Oh, yeah. He was the villain in that. Um, yeah. And he was in one of the Star Wars movies, right? One of the newer sure. ones? Sure. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I, look, he's he's Hannibal, right? Uh, now, that guy. I, look, I may not know his last name. I knew his first name because that's a pretty cool first name, but... Him, maybe. I could see Julianne Moore running off with him. How about that? That's a good-looking dude. Yeah. it's a good-looking man. Good hair. Yeah, not so much. Man, even, they didn't even give Ralph that here. He would have easily had that against Tom Noonan, but what was with the, the strange... Like a flat top? Yeah, the, 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 like like he's a fifth grader, like going to take a school picture. What what was going on there? Well, I think it reinforces the mommy issues, right? I mean, it, it, the the... It's just strange the, seeing a guy that built who is nude for a decent amount of the runtime could not outgrow the haircut. Like he could do everything he else built? to his body. I mean, he's in good shape, he's, but he's, he's not that like, is the That has to be the biggest he's ever been in his life. I'm sure it is, but it's still not very big. You know, you look oh, at him you're again. taking away from, from Ralph here? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the way they talk about him in the, um, when they're talking about the breakdown, oh, we think he's a bodybuilder. Like, man, he looks like a janitor. <laughs> All right, look. He's been carrying around some trash cans. Uh, and that's I it. brought this up in our Mask of Zorro episode against, I guess, uh, the iconic Hannibal when someone says Anthony Hopkins is so strong and is known for his strength. And you gave me this bullshit about his fortitude, possibly, that they're talking his internal about. strength. <laughs> and now you're attacking Ralph Fiennes here as being not that big. I, I just, just, I don't see him as you body. Just after big. my Google search history, not now I'm have like. <laughs> Ray finds, finds nude. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched uh, a bigger splash. I've seen uh, plenty from him. <laughs> yeah, I, I do prefer that version of of him. I like him there. That dance sequence he gives you, you know, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would have been mildly off putting if he still had the uh, the red dragon tattoo on his back. So yeah, th- I think he's better as a, a skinny guy. Yeah, I think so, and as he was in this one, so. Jesus. All right. Uh, wrong on that count. Uh, I think you've been consistently wrong on Manhunter. You hate, <laughs> you hate, uh, you, you just hate testosterone so much. You, you hate the, the, the hyper aggressive men, the toxic masculinity of Manhunter and Ralph Fiennes as a bodybuilder. Do you think your listeners are going to just come after me for defending Brett Ratner? Is, this, is that how this is going to turn? You know, my God. I'm glad you brought it def- up again because I'm trying to, trying to win the case here. And so, yeah, you, <laughs> you bring That's it That's what it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do with the murderous row of actors that he has to work with, right? Like, you know, the Dennis Farina uh, outpouring isn't exactly there. You know, William Peterson, how many Academy Awards does he have? I think he was actually caught up. Was he caught up in the, the Me Too stuff as well? Maybe. You may have that sure. on your side. Yeah, sure. 
<laughs> he uh he didn't do it quietly i'm I'm sure uh as far as him his harassment on set i'm sure he was yelling at someone oh god can you imagine being harassed by him just like bellicose yelling take your bra off well there would there would be witnesses i assume <laughs> there's someone 20 feet away it. yeah all right uh yeah we're getting into dangerous territory so on that note please subscribe to mark has played <laughs> where you can find more of this from Hyro and myself, <laughs> and the other show where uh, he will never, ever talk about Crocodile Dundee with his co-host. Never. Where can they find you? Oh, True Bromance Podcast. True Bromance Film Podcast? I don't know. Google it. No wonder nobody downloads. Google everything, according to Hyro. Look at the look, naked pictures of the of the Nazi from Schindler's List. Tiger penises. But don't Google it that way. Don't <laughs> Nazi from Schindler's List naked. You will have probably the FBI showing up at your house. <laughs> and uh, essays all over you for that one. Uh, yeah, or not in this, you know, with his administration. Maybe not. Maybe you're just. Uh, huh. Well, you get a campaign slip like, hey, please donate. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. I'll do it.